what I get from playing, especially my Dungeons and Dragons crew, kind of reminds me of that quote of, you know, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Even though we're not necessarily there in a Catholic setting talking about Jesus, having this open space where we can be open and honest and sharing about our deepest thoughts, I feel is very Catholic and very Eucharistic, even though we're not necessarily in the church building and we're not necessarily talking about faith. Hello and welcome to the Soul Food Podcast, bringing you stories that nourish the soul. It's Alison and Donnie here from Pastoral Formation, and we hope that this podcast will encourage you in your life and faith wherever you are right now. Here comes another Soul Food story. Hello, friends, and welcome once again to a Soul Food Podcast episode. We're here with a very special guest, Mary Brazel. Mary is a parishioner in the Diocese of Parramatta, and her pastoral and ministry experience have been formed through an ecclesial movement known as Antioch. She is a lover of sports, including the relatively new industry of gaming and esports, and she currently works in the Diocese of Parramatta as a communications officer. Very recently, she was acknowledged in her work for winning the Australasian Catholic Press Association Award for Best Headline in 2021 and also the Best News Story in 2019. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Donnie. Thank you for having me. So warming up for the podcast, all our guests get asked this question. What's a fond food story that comes to mind that describes a bit of who you are, Mary? Yeah, so I think the most recent example I would have to say was one that happened over the weekend, actually. So um, as you mentioned in my bio, I'm a fan of gaming, which also means uh, tabletop and board games and stuff. So uh, me and some of my best friends get together hopefully every couple of weeks and we play Dungeons and Dragons together. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons for people who haven't heard of it before? Mm. Uh, what kind of game is that? What does that involve in terms of your involvement as a participant in that game? Yeah, sure. So Dungeons and Dragons isn't nearly as scary as they thought it was in the 1980s. <laughs> it's a what is known as a tabletop role-playing game. So what happens is that you play as mystical characters, whether they're knights, whether they're wizards, whether they're sneaky thieves, whatever it is, you're playing in a mystical fantasy setting most mm. of the time, and you're rolling dice to determine what your outcome is. Um, so normally you'll see like a, there's what's called a D20 dice, which mm -hmm. is a 20-sided dice, and then you roll that, and then that yeah sets off what actions that you do as the characters. Mm -hmm. So the game master is the one who runs the story, who... Um, tells the story of what's known as campaigns or stories. Mm -hmm. He or she uh, will set the course of, all right, this is where you need to go, but it's up to the players to determine what they do to get from A to B. You don't mm -hmm. have to straight go from A to B. You can go from A to C to F to B, back to C, yep. and then back to the, the end. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, but yeah. then obviously doing it in like a turn-based system and then using dice as well. So one particular example, which was what happened um, a couple of days ago, this particular session of Dungeons and Dragons, we were having dinner with one of the big bosses throughout the story. So um, my husband, who I love very dearly, um, <laughs> decided to put on, because he is what is known as the game master, he is the one who runs the game and who tells the story mm -hmm. that we are all playing as he put together a banquet type not banquet but a course for all of us to try and get us into that kind of 
uh, theme and that environment so that we're playing in the game, but we're also having it in real life. Yep. So he put together uh, dinner and I was able to help out with them. And um, by just having that kind of conversation around the table, even though we were partially playing as characters, we were also just being the six of us around the table. And even though the purpose of it was to play the game, there was a time while we were beginning to eat and we were just talking about life and we were talking about the struggles that we've had over the past couple of weeks. And it was Mm. just really nice to be in that kind of mood and that kind of environment where we could share about that open and honestly. And that's what I love about my friends is that we can be so open and honest with each other. And although we were there for a purpose, we were able to be there for each other as human beings rather than as mystical creatures. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Mary, I really love the fact that your your husband went above and beyond to really set the scene. And even though you were playing uh, this fictional role play game through uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it enabled ordinary conversations to happen between your close friends. Can you say a bit more on that? Yeah, so we were obviously eating this lovely food. Um, but before we actually got down to getting into those characters and getting into the scene, um, we just had just regular conversations, you know, how's your week been? Um, one of my friends had a particularly bad week. She was dealing with a lot of stress from work and she was dealing with assignments and stuff and she just needed to get that off her chest. And that's what I love about the group of friends that I have and mm. the kind of – that we can have these kind of open conversations. We can still be in this frame of mind where you can feel comf- comfortable in – talking about these kind of things and Mm. knowing that you're in a safe space um, that you can share with these people and share with me it's just it's one of the experiences that I love because you know you can have as much fun as you can Mm. but if you don't enjoy playing with the people that you're playing with you can't develop the story and you can't develop the relationship that you have as characters in the game yep. if you don't have that relationship outside. Yeah, and I think this whole resurgence of uh, face-to-face gaming, like mm. board games, and I know Dungeons & Dragons is a bit more elaborate than your Monopoly, um, mm. but the fact that people are looking for these spaces I think really speaks into um, what people are looking for in the everyday, you know, these spaces where they can walk with other people, spend time together, and actually, um, you know, not only have fun, but also through that, build a tight-knit community around common interests and, and to really lean on each other in those spaces. So that's what I'm, I'm hearing from your experience. You know, just revisiting the fact that, again, um, this game that has facilitated these meaningful conversations for, for yourself, I wonder if you can comment more generally on what, um, whether it's face-to-face games or video games, what have um, those spaces uh, enabled for you to appreciate a bit more when it comes to the Catholic understanding of sacrament? I think what I get from playing, especially my Dungeons and Dragons crew, is that it's kind of reminds me of that quote. I can't remember which gospel it's from, whether it's from Matthew or Luke, of, you know, whenever two or more are gathered in my name, mm. there I am with them. So even though we're not necessarily they're in a Catholic setting of, you know, talking about Jesus, but by having this kind of open space where we can be open and honest and sharing about our deepest thoughts, I feel is very Catholic in a sense. Mm. Um, Obviously I grew up Catholic. My husband's Catholic. Um, Two of my best friends, I think grew up Catholic, but they've stepped away from the faith. Mm -hmm. And I also have friends that aren't religious at all. Uh, But knowing that, even though we've got that faith background, having that 
you know, honesty and that listening and that, that care and that love for each other, I feel is very Catholic and very Eucharistic, mm. even though we're not necessarily in the church building and we're not yeah. necessarily talking about faith. There is a, a Eucharistic center to it. Yeah, and, and I suppose as well you could say that um, as I hear your story, for myself anyway, I hear that um, underlying principle in Catholic social teaching of solidarity, of just being with people and, and sharing in that oneness together. So um, as you've described it as well, um, that, that whole theme of being Eucharistic, um, being round table uh, as, as a theme as well, I think from your story as, as a reality that you're leaning into and you're living into. So, mm. yeah, I totally hear that as well from your experience, Mary. Yeah. And, yeah, I just love listening to people and hearing people's stories and, in a sense, hearing what they're saying and seeing if I can adapt it into my life. And that's mm. what I try and do with my writing as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I know you've done uh, a bit of coverage of this through your work, but those uh, themes that Pope Francis is talking about of synodality, of listening with each other, I suppose we come full circle there again with your work um, experience, um, that there's this invitation in listening to someone else's story um, where we can be equally moved, if not moved even more so, by receiving the story of, of the other person in front of us. Mm, yeah, definitely. And that's where I still find the passion in my work is listening to those stories and hearing how regular people are living their faith in Western Sydney and hoping to share that with other people. And again, the idea of church is that we're journeying along, we're the one one Catholic faith, one body in Christ. Even though we're all different individuals, we mm. all have the same core faith system, and that is the the love and to sharing that love of Jesus Christ with everybody. So, mm. yeah, that's what I really still enjoy. Yeah. Now, I, I mentioned earlier that you've um, connected through parishes, but particularly through Antioch. Yes. Uh, and for our listeners, you know that... Um, uh, one of my co-workers, Allison, also identifies as being uh, within the Antioch community as well. Uh, for for the uh, interest for our speakers and also for those who may be um, part of Antioch as well, uh, what was your particular experience in that uh, community setting and how did you get involved in the first place? Yeah, so my older brother was part of the Epping Carlingford community. Mm-hmm. So back when we lived um, a bit closer to that area, he would have joined when he was... 16, 17, 18. I can't remember exactly when he joined. Mm-hmm. Um, and then around 2003, we moved house. So we moved a bit further west, um, which meant that um, we moved, in a sense, parishes. So mm. my brother, instead of going to Epping Carlingford, there was a community at um, St. Anthony of Padua, Tingabi. Uh. So he joined that community. And um, when I was about 17... Um, that's kind of around the same age that they want um, new members to join the community. Mm-hmm. So because I'd seen him get part, get involved in the Antioch community, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll give it a go. Mm. So um, I went on a weekend and obviously your very first weekend, it's very overwhelming. There's all these strangers and mm. they're really happy and they're singing and dancing and they're, <laughs> you know, making him, you know, sometimes making fools of themselves. Yep. But there was that deeper purpose to it. And mm. although like most 
new recruits and new members. Mm-hmm. Um, that first kind of six month is a bit cautious as to whether it's quite right for you. But then I felt that, no, it was something that I wanted to explore. In 2010, I believe, mm-hmm. I was elected uh, as one of the, the leaders of the community. Mm-hmm. So usually a leadership is about 12 months mm-hmm. and that ultimately culminates in um, running the recruitment weekends. Yep. So you have a co-leader and then you help uh, figure out who are the different speakers and try and recruitment and things like that. Yeah. So obviously once I got towards the later stages of the age bracket that ideally Antioch is, yep. um, I thought that it was appropriate for me to step into more of a adult support leadership role so yeah. that I could accompany the much younger people than I. Yeah, that was solidified when I got married because I, I thought I couldn't quite be a young youth leader <laughs> yep. in a community if I was married because I wouldn't have those same experiences as the mm. young people so mm-hmm. that's when I moved into more of an adult formation role yeah okay and, and I think what you've described there in your story um, represents a lot of um, many people growing up in the Catholic Church where there's this initial um, sense of wanting to connect to a space because family's involved mm. but then it became a bit of your own yeah um, and so I think you've hinted at it uh, a little bit as to you know some of the things that enabled you to feel like it's it's now yours and not necessarily you know your brother's group but that's mm. it's, it's now your group um, what are some of the um, uh, the practical experiences or the moments that you think prompted you to to see this community as being um, a Catholic community for yourself? Um, I think it was just because of the kind of people that my brother was hanging out with and they were so welcoming and loving towards me being a mm. new person and not just because I was the sister of my older brother. Mm. So they kind of saw me as an individual and they saw that I had... Um, gifts and talents to share Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah I think it was just the overall community saw something in me that really made me think no this is kind of where I feel that I fit and there was something that kept me going and I think it was just the open conversations that we would have and um, through the Antioch experience you give testimonials you give talks and hearing people's life experiences through those talks allowed me to reflect on oh, you know, the church isn't this weird, big, hierarchical structure. Mm. It's the people that's here in this room. And faith can take in a whole different types of meaning and different stories. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I loved about it. So that my experience of faith wasn't as completely different as what I thought Mm -hmm. other people's were. And I think that's where I got that connection yeah. Um, if we were to shift a little bit now to your uh, background in communications, I wonder whether it's from a family setting or from your parish experience, from, from gaming or any of your other interest spaces, what would you say are some of the key moments um, or key factors that really encouraged your, your gift in communication and your willingness to work in that field? I think it. there's also a grounding of it in Antioch so that, you know, as a young person, as a youth leader, you are giving those testimonials and those talks um, about your own faith, your own life experience. Mm. Um, So there was obviously the development of writing from that. Um, I think ultimately it was like a childhood dream to be one of the news reporters on the news. One of the dreams was to be like a sports journalist. So Mm. whether it's the person on the desk reading the sports or being a journalist out on the road. Mm. So that was kind of one of the big dreams that I had. So going to university, I tried to do as many media courses as I could. 
um, rather than doing a particular media communications degree, I just did an overall arts degree. So mm. I meant that I could pick and choose what I wanted. But obviously I majored in media studies and majored in creative writing. So there was that love and that passion there. Mm. And then out of university, I worked for a news corporation. I walked, not necessarily for News Corp, but it was a newswire service called Australian Associated Press. Mm-hmm. So they've got uh, bureaus across Australia and they have a series of journalists who put together stories which are then on sold to other major okay. outlets. Yep. Um, so I was working in the image team at Australian Associated Press and I was more of a, an archive researcher. Mm. So I would get photographs and I would have to archive them and then I could bring them back and do things like that but it wasn't quite engaging and wasn't quite what I wanted right and then I got given the opportunity while at AAP to do some travel writing you'll be given an assignment from a particular organization say visit Victoria or New South Wales more of a tourism type of thing Mm. and they will send you somewhere and they'll put you up in a hotel and they'll give you these nice experiences in exchange for articles written about it. Mm-hmm. So I was given the opportunity to do that and then that was where that love and that interest sparked again. Mm. So I thought, no, this is kind of what I wanted to do. This is, I want to go and share stories and write things rather than just sitting at my desk doing the same thing over and over yeah, again. Okay. Uh, so that got me on a path to thinking, all right, I should look for different opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then this diocesan job picked yeah. up and I thought, I give it a go. You know, I'm a woman of the diocese. I grew up in the diocese. I, you know, was part of the Antioch movement yes. and I was connected to obviously the Catholic Youth Parramatta stuff as well. So I thought I can give it a go. I know the people of the diocese. I got the interview and I got the job. And mm. within my first week, I was writing stories, which I hadn't done in three, four years. So yeah, okay. the first ones are very rough. I kept writing and I kept improving and people kept saying how wonderful and how they loved what I was writing. So... That's just what has spurred me on. Mm, and it's been seven years now? No, only four years. Okay, sorry. Yep, It'll be yep, four in November, yep, yep. but it, it feels like I've been here for an eternity as well. Yeah, okay. okay. In a good way, I promise. Yeah, yep. Um, and I wonder from your experience with the Australian Associated Press, what are some of the, the skills that you brought over into this role as a communications officer that you think um, have been benefited from, from that experience that you've had previously? I think working in the, the fast-paced news cycle, mm. so you know that you've got to get things to a deadline, um, being comfortable in reaching out to people and chasing those stories. Mm-hmm. Even though I myself wasn't really the one who was going out and doing that, I was receiving the content from the journalist on the road so I could see their process and how, all right, we've got to put 300 words together. They can do it in a couple of hours and then that gets put onto the the sub-editors and then it gets published. Mm. So I guess that kind of workflow imprinted on me even though I wasn't directly using it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of your uh, creative writing process, are there any sort of principles that you, you try and stick to or a framework that you use when you're approaching either a person or an event um, and the way in which you capture that story that you really think reflects the best of your professional experience and your ministry experience as well? I think it's about trying to get with every article, with every essay, you're always trying to get that grabby, punchy thing at the beginning of mm-hmm. the article so that it will encourage people to keep reading. So that's where I tried and put a lot of my energy into because if you've got a bad opening, people aren't going to keep reading mm. it. So I try and grab one key moment from an event that I'm going to, one key phrase that will encourage people, oh, that's interesting. Let's read on and see what that is. So mm. um, 
And that can often be also some of the times that I find the most challenging when it comes to writing an article because you want to get that key point, that punchy point at the beginning so I can spend like a good half an hour trying to get that first line to work. Yeah. And then I can spend 20 minutes doing the rest of the story. But it's just that first little bit that I find that I can sometimes struggle in because I always want to get the best out of the story mm-hmm. and, the, and represent the people that I'm quoting or represent the event that I'm attending in the best possible light. And when I hear that, I, I think of um, uh, the ministry experience that I've had in my own parish. <laughs> and um, I remember our parish priest commenting on when it comes to um, new ministries and welcoming new people on board, there's this... There's this point where the first impression that you make is usually the lasting impression, and that's not, you know, um, strictly with ministry or parish setting. But there was a bit of truth in that, that, you know, you're wanting to get that uh, experience, that initial read uh, when it comes to, you know, the the articles that you produce as something that really invites someone in um, and and gets them, you know, absorbed in the the piece that you're writing. Now, in particular, I wanted to to ask about your best news story in 2019. Mm. Um, It was that piece about that fellow who passed away in Granville and um, the funeral was held there Mm. and it was about the community coming together. Can you tell us a bit more about, firstly, what was the... um, the name of that article, because it, it's just escaped my notes here, but what was the name of that article? And also, uh, what was going on for you as you wrote that piece? Uh, yeah, so I think the article is called uh, Granville Parishioners Gather to Farewell a Friend, something along those those lines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a story about this gentleman who passed away. He didn't have any friends, didn't have any family. Mm. Um, and it was um, – his wishes was to be um, – farewelled in a Catholic Mass. Mm. So one of the local funeral directors in the Granville area um, reached out to, I believe, Father Andrew, who's the parish priest out at Granville, and wanted this to happen. And then Father Andrew just spoke to the community and say, you know, look, there's this person that needs to be farewelled, but he doesn't have any friends or family, so let's gather together as a community to do our best duty and mm. of um, administering to the deceased and acknowledging the deceased. And yeah, it was like a small ceremony, but it was better than just having the deceased person and the parish priest. There was like a small community that were there to farewell him as if they were his friend. Yeah, yeah. And I I remember reading that article and just how powerful it witnesses to the fact that when you talk about the Catholic Church, like you said before, it's yes, there is the the hierarchy and the structure, but there's also that sense that it's a people that journey with each other as a community. Um, now, for future pieces, um, for, for things that you're hoping to cover in the future, what are some of the areas where you're hoping that you could um, write into or speak into or give voice to? Uh, what are some of those um, areas that you like to report on when it comes to communications in the diocese? Um, well, I really love doing all the stuff with Catholic Youth Parramatta. They're a fantastic team and the youth leaders that we have in the diocese, we're so blessed. Mm-hmm. So any chance that there's a CYP event, I'm usually one of the first people that RSVPs because I feel that their ministry is one of the ones that might get not as much coverage. Um, but I think it's definitely something that because, you know, Pope Francis has always said that the youth of the now of the church. Mm. I feel that it's something that we need to keep sharing with people across the diocese so that, you know, people keep thinking, oh, the church is dead, but it's not. There Mm. are lots of young, vibrant Catholics out in the diocese and they've got such wonderful stories to tell. Mm. And that's why I'm so honoured to be working with them. Um, I also love hearing stories about 
local parishioners who were just dedicated to their faith and dedicated to the church and you know mm. they've been the parish secretary for 25 30 years i love hearing their stories as to what keeps them engaged in the parish and why they are so dedicated to the church i love hearing those stories um, there are some areas that i would like to explore further um, i'm very interested in uh, learning about um, the acceptance of LGBTQI mm-hmm. uh, Catholics into the community. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be something that I would love to explore. Now, I'm shifting this conversation to a close. We like to ask each of our guests in this space um, uh, a particular hypothetical. Say you were in a parish where there was a newcomer who was about to arrive into that parish and you knew that they were, they were on the way in. What would you like that newcomer to, um, first and foremost, experience in yourself and then experience in the wider community as well? I think that if I was meeting a new person, um, even nowadays I'm still a bit shy as meeting new people, so I think I would have that connection to them. And I would like to think that just in my personality, I'm usually fairly welcoming and open and um, I like to have a joke with people, so Mm. I'll try and soften them in from that perspective. But I would also like them to think that the way that I share is because of my faith and the way that I love and I'm usually fairly accepting of everybody and anybody, Mm -hmm. I think is coming from a faith background. And I guess that's what I want from our communities because we've had this wonderful program that is the Plenary Council and the Synod, which is really trying to tell us to listen to each other Mm. and to journey alongside each other. And I think that over the past couple of decades, we've been missing that. Mm -hmm. There's been too much arguing and bickering about, the state of the church, but we're not listening to each other. Mm. You can't have dialogue if nobody's listening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the reason that you're having arguments is because you're projecting one side of the story and I'm projecting another side of the story, but we're not having that mm-hmm. communication in between. So I really think that, um, and I hope that if a newcomer is coming into our parishes, that mm. they see that we're going on this journey to be more open to be more welcoming to be more accepting of all kinds of people because that's the way that pope francis wants us to be he wants us to be a church that's not in the fancy buildings again he wants us to be um uh, not necessarily with people but shepherds that smell of sheep he wants us to be the church in the field hospital that is Mm. on the ground with people Mm -hmm. and being where they're at yeah. Now, a um, bit of a nuance to that that uh, question there. If you had to hypothetically start up a new ministry in the parish, whether it's uh, communications or gaming or a bit of both, uh, what would that ministry do and look like on a day-to-day basis? I think it would be, I guess, in a communication standpoint, but telling the stories of the parishioners because a lot of people will know oh, you know, Beryl's been here for 50 years and Mm. she's always coming to Sunday Mass. She sits in the same seat. But what is Beryl's story? So I think that would be something that would be really exciting to explore in a parish Mm. setting so that encouraging parishioners to tell their stories or getting a small group of parishioners to go out and hear the stories Mm. of other parishioners and then telling them whether it be in a newsletter, whether it be in the parish bulletin, but just getting that 
sense of hearing people's stories and then sharing that and then hopefully grabbing something from their lived experience and incorporating it into yourself. Mm -hmm. If you haven't had a chance to read Mary's writing on Catholic Outlook, we'll put those links in there as well, especially the, the one that won the 2021 Best Headline and also the Best News Story in 2019. Thanks for being in the space, Mary. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Food. Don't forget to like and follow us on Spotify or your preferred listening platform. This podcast is produced by Partial Formation Mission Enhancement Team in the Diocese of Parramatta. We release a new episode each week and we'd love to hear from you. So leave a comment or reach out via our contacts in the show notes. Looking forward to sharing another story with you next time on the Soul Food Podcast. Mm-hmm.